feature with Bible study and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com that's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study all one word you go there to that web page and there's a button that you can toggle and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail and we'd love to hear from you could be just saying hi or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. Glad you're here. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming. We're going to start our time in prayer and ask God's blessing. Father, thanks for uh, just your care over us. We thank you that you are our protector. We thank you that you are our provider. We thank you that you are the God who heals us and makes us whole. You're our banner. You're the God who is always with us. We thank you that you're our peace tonight. God, you revealed yourself as our righteousness. So thanks. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for revealing yourself in those pieces of of who you are through and through, God, that we might understand you better, that we might understand a, a depth of you that reaches into our daily lives. And so, God, tonight we rest in you. We ask that you would have your way. We pray that we would be open and ready to receive. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. We have Bibles available for your use. First Chronicles chapter 4. And I need a volunteer that would read First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine and ten. You can just let it rip. All right, thanks for reading that. I'll tell you the honest truth, what caught my eye about this passage and why I wrote some notes on it to start with, was that I was reading through the Bible, and you come to this passage, and he starts talking about this person, Jabez, right? And so my thought was, my first thought was, when I read that was, who's Jabez? 
And the reason I ask that question is because there's really no introduction as to who this guy is. Kind of like, you know, when Melchizedek kind of appears? When, when Abram comes across Melchizedek, he just kind of appears out of nowhere. There's no real big introduction. And, and so then we learn more about him or whatever. But Jabez is one of those guys that you come to this portion of the Scripture, there's really not a lot of intro as to who he is. Now, we can assume that the people reading First Chronicles knew who he was. Otherwise, that's really bad literature, right? That you're writing a book about something and you just assume, and you just bring up a character out of nowhere, you bring up a person out of nowhere that no one's ever heard of. That wouldn't make any sense, right? I mean, unless it's your cousin or something, you just want to get his name in there. But I don't know why, uh, but he, Jabez was likely someone that that people knew. He was likely someone that people would recognize that name, likely someone that people had come in contact with as to who he is. All right, and we'll talk a little bit about that more later. But that's what originally caught my eye from this passage was, like, well, who's Jabez? And why is he important? Why... Does he get his, you know, why does he get this spot here in First Chronicles 4, verse 9? Because it starts off by saying that he was more honorable than his brothers. And so, if you look back to the, the commentaries of some of the rabbis that made extensive commentaries on the Old Testament, what you find is that they do refer to Jabez, and they refer to him as someone who was entirely devoted to God. The word that's being used there, more honorable, can be loosely translated into courageous. That he was a a courageous person. And so, that's the descriptor that's used, so that's pretty solid. That the descriptor being used him as a more honorable person, well, that's courage, with the word that they use. So, that's fairly solid. So we know that Jabez is courageous, and some of the early people who were commenting on the passage said that he was also devoted entirely to God. And so we'll go from there, and we'll start thinking about Jabez from there. Now, his, his name means sorrowful. That's what it literally means. Jabez means sorrowful. And it starts off by saying that he cried out to the Lord, that Jabez cried out to the Lord. Now, the word cry out, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, what that indicates. And what that begins to indicate in his life and what that should begin to indicate to us is that Jabez wasn't being bound by pride. He wasn't someone that was bound by the way that he looked or the way that he other people might think of him. That he wasn't afraid to cry out to God. He wasn't afraid to express himself to God in that way. And when you think about what it means to cry out, I just want you to think about it in terms of need. That if you're going to cry out to somebody for help, you are expressing and allowing for other people to see that you believe, that you perceive, that you have actual need in your life. And that's okay. It's okay to appear to have need. It's okay for others to look and to see your life and to say, oh yeah, this, you know, they're, they're expressing the fact that there's something going on in their life that they need help with. And you know, it's okay to need help. And it's okay to receive help. 
And if you're one of those people that really have a hard time with that, it may be something for you to think about. It may be something for you to think about that we serve a God that's willing to help us. We serve a God that is, is waiting to help us, that is on the standby, ready to help you in your time of need. Part of what He looks for in us is a recognition of need. Part of what He looks for in us is the, the willingness to express that need to Him. You know, you think about it, it's like, well, God knows what I need before I even ask. True indeed. But He still wants to communicate with us. He still wants us to communicate with Him. He still wants us to take the time to express ourselves to Him. He wants to participate in that expression. He wants it. He desires it. He looks for it. And because of that, He waits for it. That It's not automatic that that things just happen in our life. I mean, think about the teachings of Jesus, how he, he talked about how we're to keep knocking until the door gets answered. Well, that's a persistence. Or he, he talked about the unjust judge and the persistent widow who just kept going back, kept going back, kept going back. And there's, there's some type of a connection that Jesus is, is, is really illustrating through some of his parables, not just one parable, but more than one parable, about being persistent with God, about being persistent with needs to Him, about expressing ourselves and letting Him know that we're looking for something, letting Him know that, that we need something. You know, the, the one uh, parable that He told was the guy who had visitors show up in the night unexpectedly. And didn't, he didn't have, he was caught without some supplies. And so he went to his neighbor's house and he knocked on the doors like, I, I had some visitors show up, I need some supplies. And they was like, I'm already in bed, leave me alone. He's like, yeah, but I, I really need your help because I, I got some people here and I really need to feed them because they just got off the road and, and I could really use your help. And he's just knocking, 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 knocking. And Jesus said, so after a while, the guy's going to get up, he's sick of listening to you anyway. Now, I'm not saying God is sick of listening to you, but the idea there isn't that the man who owned the house that was sleeping with his family is the perfect representation of God. That's not the idea behind it. The idea behind it, same with the unjust judge. God is not the unjust judge. The idea behind it is us, the person at the door, the person going before the unjust judge. It's speaking to us and it's describing to us what it means or what God is looking for in us as we approach Him in our time of need, that He's looking for that expression. He's looking for something in us that recognizes that we are without and that He has. That what we need, He provides. You see, the guy that was standing at the door knew the guy that was in bed that wouldn't get up. He knew he had what he needed and he was going to keep after it till he got it. The widow who was looking for justice from the unjust judge knew that he had the power to do what needed to get done in order to bring her justice. She knew it. And so their faith was solid. The guy knocking at the door, solid faith. The guy, the woman with the unjust judge, solid faith. They knew that God, it was in his power to, to do what needed to be done. And so they just stayed at it and stayed at it and stayed at it until it was done. You see, those parables speak to the person asking, to the person knocking, to the person being persistent in their request. 
That's what God is looking for from us. And if you want to think that's silly, go ahead, but you're not going to get much. Go ahead. Go ahead and think it's silly. Go ahead. Oh, I won't debase myself that much. To appear to be begging God for something. Well, that's up to you. And I'll tell you, the people that I've met, the people that I know that receive from God are not afraid to express their needs. The people that I know that receive from God are not afraid to keep asking until they receive what they're asking for. People I've known that have moved in the gifts of the Spirit, multiple, multiple gifts of the Holy Spirit, are people that spent time asking God and kept after asking God, desiring earnestly the best gifts until they received. Because that's how it works. God can do this. God will do this. I'm just going to keep asking until He does. There's a, there's a faith that's released in that. There's a, there's a release of, of a real knowing and a real knowledge. Like, this is the God I serve, and this is what He's willing to do, and I'm going to keep after it till I get it. Good. Keep after it. Because in doing so, you're admitting every time you do it, I am deficient. I am in need. My, my fancy job doesn't pay for everything I need. It just doesn't. It just won't and never will. There's nothing wrong with a fancy job. It's just not what's going to do it. It's just not going to be the, the end all. It's not going to be the, the end result. It's not going to be the last thing. Because what we're being called to and who we're being called to be, if we're going to be more honorable than our brother's, Maybe like Jabez, where people are not afraid to cry out to the Lord. To have the courage to cry out to the Lord. Why do I say courage? Because what do I say? What does crying out to God, what does that indicate to everyone listening to you? What does it say? That you need something. You're not self-sufficient. You're not completely sufficient in everything that you could possibly ever need. In other words, you have a need. You have something missing in your life. And in this day and age of image and shaming and and people that are, are rude, and I mean rude about it, especially over social media, because it's so easy to be rude over social media, isn't it? Yeah. In this day and age... I need something. I'm missing something. And I'm going to stay after God for it till I get it. Because He can provide it. There's something courageous about that. Jabez had courage. He cried out to the living and true God. Because you know what? It's a recognition that God is living, that God is true, and that He alone can hear and answer my prayer. That's it. He alone can hear and answer my prayer. It's silly. Silly to take your prayer anywhere else. Silly. It's silly to try to meet your own need too. How many, how many just, and, and I don't try to use a, a sensitive word here. How, how many disasters, I mean that's not too sensitive, but real disasters. How many disasters have occurred because people have attempted to meet their own need. It's like, hey, you know, I'd really like a spouse. I want a husband or I want a wife. And so they go out and they just make it happen. 
All right? How many disasters have resulted from that? Seriously. Disasters. Because we, look, we get sick of waiting or, or we don't know enough to ask God or we don't know enough to keep asking or we don't really believe that God can meet our need or whatever it is that's going on or rattling around in our head. And so we get out and go, oh, I'm going to do it myself. Disaster. Disaster. And that's just one area. That was the first thing that popped in my head because I've seen so many disasters of trying to make those kind of things happen. Well, God didn't do it when I thought He would. Yeah, He's kind of like that. He wasn't as fast as I thought. Yeah, He's He's not on our schedule. It, it seemed like He was taking forever. Well, He's got forever. So, yeah, He does sometimes. Seems like that. I don't know. I, I, I want you to understand, and I'm, I'm trying to make light of it a little bit, but I want you to understand that these are all things I've heard people say, right? These are all things I've heard people tell me as to why they took matters into their own hands. They took the bull by the horns. They don't take care of it. Well, disaster. That's what happens. We try to do that. God alone can hear and answer our prayers. You're not well equipped to do it. That's His job, not your job. You're not in the prayer answering business. You're just not. Not even your own prayers. You're no good at it. Stop. Well, I'll just do this. <laughs> don't even. I know you want to, but don't do it. Well, I'll, I'll just do this little thing over. Yeah, what, are you helping him out? Stop. Stop. Well, I'll make it easy for him. You don't need to. You don't need to make it easier for him. Just just get, you know, nope, nope. He alone has the power to meet that need. And in part of your recognition is is that you need to know that. Without a doubt, He alone can do this. And that's why you just keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. So the language that's being used here of Jabez crying out to the Lord, it, it it's it's poetic in a sense. It's ardent. But it's also affectionate. And there's a real desire being expressed. Did you know you can be ardent and affectionate at the same time? Did you know that? Haven't you ever been wooed? I mean, you know, that ardent expression of affection. Haven't you ever heard that before? No? No. Okay. Yeah, you know, like you're working at it. You know, it's like you're, you mean it. You're, it's intense. Yeah. Affection. You know, like when you're, you're first getting together with somebody and, and you just, that's all you can think about. Anybody, no? No? No. Okay, that's it? That, that, that was it? No one, no. Okay. Well, Jabez, that's the language that he's using here. It's ardent. It's, it's affectionate. He's, he really just wants God. And he wants what God has. That's what he's looking for. I think there's something powerful about that. Because you hear people talk about it's like from the heart. Yeah, from the heart. Yeah, from our innermost being. Yeah, from the center of our emotion, our affection. God made us this way. 
He really did. He just made us this way. And, and I mean, if, if it wasn't true, if we didn't have this in us, I mean, the Hallmark Channel wouldn't even exist. But we do have this in us. And, and we'll watch really bad movies. They have the same plot over and over again. Why? Because there's something in us that likes that. No, they're not. They're not great movies. But, but they feed a certain part of us that's real. They, they, they feed and they comfort part of us that is a real thing and it's the way we were made and they tap into that part of us that God created in us. And learning to be able to express that, learning to allow that to come forth in our life, learning to incorporate that into our language and into our relationship and, and into our experience with our God is a really important step in, in our maturity in Him. It really is. That it's not more mature to, to be more theological. It's not more mature to, to use bigger you know, Jesus words than other people. It's not. It's not more mature to, to be able to, to just, uh, you know, whatever it would be, or to recite certain things, or see certain things, or know more, or memorize more of the Scripture, whatever it is. That, that's not the measures of maturity. Maturity is measured in our relationship with Him. Maturity is measured in depth of relationship. Maturity is measured in how we communicate with Him and how we understand Him, and how we spend our time with Him. And part of that maturity is this whole part of us that God's created that is emotional. And that from the center of our being, from our innermost being, where those rivers of living water flow from, that we have a real connection with our God. And that is powerful. That is earth-moving, situation-changing, that is us living in a peace and a rest when everybody around us is freaking out. We don't have to. Because we've taken our emotional center and we've taken our intellectual center and we've taken who we are deep down inside our spiritual center and we have put ourselves into relationship with the Almighty God in all of those ways. Body, soul, and spirit. That is maturity. That is maturity, giving Him everything. That is maturity, offering up those parts of us that are maybe embarrassing sometimes. I mean, I'm not really a mushy person in front of people. I'm just not. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I can't figure it out, like the need for it, you know, like... I don't have to, well, whatever, I'm not going to get into this. But I, I just, I'm not. And yet, I know, I know that my, part of my relationship with my God is that, man, there's a real emotional center to that. That I need to recognize and I need to feed it and I need to experience it and I need to live in it. And in my relationships with the people that I'm close to, there are emotional centers to those relationships that are important. 
And it's in those relationships, the context of those relationships, where I believe that center becomes more and more visible and evident. So I don't, I'm not negating any of that, and I don't want you to misunderstand me either, because I know sometimes when you know you're just talking to me or you see me, I don't seem very emotional unless I'm mad about something. But that is part of who we are. And it may not be expressed in every way and however you're brought up and whatever you think and all the rest of that stuff. I, I can't answer that. All right? And that's okay. I'm not trying to change that right now. But what I am trying to say is somewhere deep inside of you there is something real and emotional and there's something that means something in, in the center of your being. And there's a part of that, there's a part of you that that needs to be expressed to your God. It needs to be experienced with Him, and it needs to, to be a part of your relationship with Him. It has to be, if you're going to mature at all in Him. I, I you know, People tell me that they say, oh, well, these are the facts about God. Well, great. Oh, well, I know, you know, 18,000 verses. Good, good, good. I can tell you all the books of the Bible. Thank you. That would be handy, but... I mean, it says it right in the front, right? <laughs> or you just look it up on your phone. It's a big list. Right, yeah, yeah. Or or I can tell you, like, you know, I mean, whatever. Whatever it is. That's not what we're going for. We're going for life with Him. We're going for reality with Him. We're going for a sharing of existence with Him. And that's going to take place on all of the levels I've mentioned. It's not just knowing about Him, it's knowing Him. And, and there's an emotional component to knowing Him. Now you think about Jabez, go back to what we're talking about, Jabez. And he had a rough start. All right, his mother named him Jabez for a reason. She named him Jabez because it means sorrow, Right? And because she was in much pain when he was born. He was born in sorrow and travail. That's how the guy came into the world. And so she named him Jabez so she wouldn't forget. It was a reminder. A reminder every time she saw him and said his name to be thankful that God saw her through. All right, that's the idea behind it. God saw her through. And it was a reminder to her to be thankful for God seeing her through. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody here, were you born in a difficult circumstance? Like, any physically? Like, anybody here premature or ended up in an incubator for a while? Yeah? Yeah, how long? What were you? Just born early? Yeah, yeah. I was in an incubator. Uh-huh. Probably the most peaceful time you had as a kid. Yeah, yeah, it was quiet in there. Mary, what was it? you were premature? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the day, man. Yeah, I was all kinds of trouble getting born. Oh, yeah, were you? Were you what? Uh, when I came out, I was a four doctor. Oh, you did? 
sneaky. Yeah. Yeah, you had the baby mouth heart? Yeah, that is a... <laughs> that does happen. I mean, yeah, yeah. Rarely. Rarely. Yeah. It's very good. How how do you feel now? Good. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. I, I was trouble when I was born. Um, my mom never let me forget about it. Uh, she would tell me that story every time she got a chance, especially when she was upset about something that was going on. But, uh, yeah, so I heard that story a bunch. Bad person. You were such a bad baby. <laughs> I was, too. But I can live with that. And so they had a tough start. And some of us had tough starts. I mean, that was a few tough starts. And he had a tough start. Born in sorrow, travail. His name was just that reminder of sorrow. But he had a hope and he had a prayer, and he was crying out to God for something. That was a better finish, wasn't he? Yeah. So a rough start. Rough start. Yep. Better finish. Let's, let's go for the better finish. Because, see, the rough start, follow me on this, and I hope you can keep following me about this, all right? Because I'm going to say this when I get a chance to. Remember what I was talking about yesterday? When I was talking about how we don't know Doc Brown? Yeah, remember that? You don't know Doc Brown. Your name's not Marty McFly. We don't have a flux capacitor or a DeLorean. All right? And so we may have had a rough start. You may have had a rough start. And I'm not negating that. I'm not, I'm not telling you, oh, well, it doesn't matter or anything. I'm not telling you any of that. I'm saying, all I'm trying to tell you is this. If you had a rough start, I had a rough start. And some of us had other things that were rough starts in our life. You cannot go back and change it. It's not going to change. It's never, ever going to change. It's done. Follow me? All right. So, without the flux capacitor, Doc Brown's retired, and we don't have, we're not going to go back, and we're not going to be able to change it. It's not going to happen. All right? I don't even believe in time travel. It's just not going to happen. It is what it is. All right? What we're looking for at this point, what we're believing for, is a better finish. All right? And I want to redirect energy in our lives from looking backwards to something that we can't change to looking forward to something that hasn't even taken place yet, that we can affect. You can affect what your future looks like. You can affect what today looks like. You can affect things around you because you have a relationship with the God of the universe. And again, I'm not diminishing what happened in the past. It happened. And I understand that. But what I'm trying to do is let's redirect what we're doing. Let's redirect our energy. Let's redirect our efforts toward what's coming. And let's believe God together that the end is going to be better than the beginning. Let's believe God together. We're going to have a better finish than a start. You see, as I said, Jabez, we really don't know anything about him. They didn't really give a real introduction to him here. And he's not really known or anything. But if, if you read, if you read some of the, the, like I said, some of the 
rabbis that would comment on these passages. Uh, it's believed that Jabez was a doctor in the law. In other words, he was somebody that just knew the law. And he had scribes that worked for him. He was well known. He was somebody that had a lot of wisdom. Somebody that had a lot of knowledge. Somebody that was a wise person. And so it was so well known that he didn't require an introduction. That's who he was. And he stood as a testimony that the end, that the finish can be better than the start. That's his testimony. And that's why this guy is kind of important for us is that he stands as an example of somebody who started off rough and in sorrow but ended up more honorable than his brothers, more courageous than his brothers. And so what happened is, is he cried out to God and God gave him what he cried out for. Because he didn't cry out. Now look what he cried out for. Read, the, read in verse 10 what he was crying out for. And I want you to think about it. It's not the past. Right? Do you see that? He's not crying out about the past. He's crying out for the future and for today. That's what he's looking for. Sometimes we're tempted to live stuck. But we serve a God that really, and I believe this, He wants us moving. Getting stuck, well, we get stuck sometimes. But He wants us moving. We get trapped every now and then, but He's a God of deliverance. We fall down. He's a God who picks us up. Right? He's calling us forward. He's calling us out. And you think about all of the what that illustrates. You think about the picture that shows calling us out or forward and all the rest of those kind of things. That motion is toward a better place, a different place than where we are right now. Tough start, better finish. And we're always looking for that better finish. We're always looking for that, that better end than how it began. And so let's look at what he cried out for. He cried out for blessing. Bless me, God. It's okay to ask God to bless you, okay? I'm serious. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's okay to ask God to bless you, all right? I don't know who you're being modest with. You're talking to a being that has all the resources in the universe. It's not like he's like given something up to bless you. He's got everything and more. He just creates it. If you need something else, he just speaks it into existence. So, so you're not putting him out. Right? You, you're not. You, you can ask God to bless you. It's all right. Well, I just feel selfish. Selfish, why? You can ask God to bless you. I can ask God to bless me. He has plenty. You're not going to take mine. I'm not going to take yours. There's lots there. You want more? There's plenty more. I am not deficient because you know he he's blessing you. It's not like the grocery store when you go to buy toilet paper. All right? 
or, or whatever it is you're going to buy and someone is taking, you know, like the, the, the half year supply of toilet paper in front of you and there's none left. It's not like that. God has an endless supply of toilet paper. And the, the shelves are always full. And if you want to go in there and you want to get whatever you want to get, you want to ask for whatever you want to ask for, ask for it. If you get a half year supply, there's a half year supply for me. We're not taking from somebody else to get. We're asking the infinite God for His blessing. And He's more than happy to do it. Jabez asked for a blessing. He cried out. Again, cried out for a blessing. An ardent and affectionate desire. That's what he was looking for. He said, I want a blessing. And you know what? Spiritual blessings are the best blessings. They're the best. I mean, I'm sure you could think of a few blessings that you'd like to receive. And I've got some really, 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 really good blessings. Spiritual blessings are the best blessings, though. They are. And, and, and they're things that we can't produce on our own. They're things that we can't make happen on our own. They're things that we can't uh, somehow uh, make appear on our own or anything else. They're just what God does. And those are the best. Those are the absolute best. You know, you think about times where there's been miraculous blessings in your life, you know, and, and how God just does that. They're the best. You know, I, I remember, and I've told you this story before, but this inspired me toward a lot of other things that I've, that I've experienced in my life, but how my great-grandmother used to tell me the story. She, she'd, she'd mail a letter every Friday, and she'd have to believe God for the money as she walked to the post office every Friday to find it on the ground, to buy a stamp to mail the letter. And she just told me, she said, and it, it never failed. She always found the money, always. And so that inspired me that when I need something, it's like, I just want to believe God. And, so, and, and, and you know what? And, and what really helped me with that story was, that she wrote the letter without the money to mail it. She put it in an envelope and addressed it without the money to mail it. And then she got up, she left the house, and started walking toward the post office without the money to mail it. And it was in the act of taking that letter to mail it that the, the provision was given. Powerful to me. Powerful to me. Because she just moved in faith. She wasn't waiting around the house for the money for the stamp before she started the process. She started the process, got everything done, and was heading up. It's like, here we go. And God would provide on the way. Right, right, right. You see, that is provision. That is blessing. That is knowing the God that you're asking and crying out to is able and, and is doing what you're asking him to do. That's what it is. And if, and if faith is released in you, then you start heading in that direction. If faith is released in you, you write that letter and you address it and you put it in the envelope and you start walking toward the place where you're going to go because it's coming. It's coming. Part of knocking on the door, part of waiting, part of, of being there and ready is being ready to receive. Being ready to move forward. Being ready and moving in faith before things are, are made manifest. Yeah, that's part of it. But what if I look silly? Yeah, you might. I'll take that chance. 
I will take that chance. I will look silly. I will be courageous enough to look silly. In front of who? Who cares? Who cares? And blessing is a real thing. It's a real thing. And I want you to think of it as a real thing. Blessing is a real thing and it produces real effects in our life. Yeah, don't don't ever look at that and, and be like, well, I'm crying out for God's blessing as some intangible thing. It's not intangible. It's tangible. It's a real thing. His blessing is a real thing. What does it look like? Well, different things, doesn't it? It manifests itself in different ways. It appears in different things in different ways and at different points in our life. But it's a real thing. It's a tangible thing. And I'm convinced of this, and this happens to me every now and then, especially when I travel with people I don't know. People will tell me, they, they will just tell me flat out, say, you look, you are blessed. And I think, I say, how do you know? Because there's something real about it. There's something tangible about tangible about it that they can see, feel, touch, hear. Something is going on, and it has an effect on them. There's something real about it. So he cried out for blessing. God gave him blessing, and then he cried out for influence. Influence. Why do you want influence for? Why would Why would Jabez? Want influence. Well, he is honorable. He's courageous. Why would he want influence? Why would he cry out in an ardent and affectionate desire for influence? Why? Why? Well, I want you to think about that for a second. What does influence indicate? What does that add into the equation to Jabez? you got Jabez and who? What? What does influence indicate? Other people, right? Right. He wants to affect other people. And so he cries out for influence. I want to affect other people. So the first thing he cries out for is blessing, which I said is a tangible, real thing that produces real effects. And he cries out for influence so that he, that blessing, that tangible thing with real effects, can, can really affect somebody else's life. So not just for him, and it's okay he cries out for blessing for him. That's awesome. And you can do it. No problem. No problem. Cry out for blessing for you. Go ahead. But there's a byproduct to that blessing in your life that's going to positively affect the people around you. And so the second thing he cries out for is influence. Bring some people my way. And you see, God wants to enlarge our hearts. And that's part of enlarging our hearts to include other people, Right? That we have God, that we have us, and then God enlarges our hearts to include others that are around us. And then we're crying out for even more. Jabez was crying out for even more people to influence, more people around, more people to come his way. And so our portion in God begins to expand when that happens. Your portion begins to expand. So how much of God can you get into your heart? Will there be none left for anybody else? No, but think about it. It's like, he can fill you up completely, right? Because you are a 
physical being. He can fill you up completely in that, in that center of emotion in your life, and there's still plenty left for everybody else. See? Right, but he can still fill you up completely. How much more do you need? You want to eat as much as I do? Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> right, but you eat what you need, right, or what you require. Right, so he fills us up. That's satisfied. When I say fill you up, I mean, you got to look at that as not just uh, some kind of a quantity. you got to look at that as an expression of being full, being satisfied, being all you want. All right? You see, Father? It's going to fill you up. That's it. I'm full. Or as the Australians would say, I'm replete. Yeah. When I was there. Do you say that over in South Africa? I'm replete? No. All right. Don't let me confuse you then. And then he asked for God to be with him. We're going to finish this up. He asked for God to be with him, with us, to lead us, to protect us, to strengthen us, to work in us, to work through us. So he's crying out to God for that with affectionate desire. God, I want you with me, in me, leading me, protecting me, strengthening me, working in me, working through me. And he's asking for that. He's knocking on the door. He's waiting. He knows God has more than the ability to fill him with that. God has more than the ability to use him in that. God has more than the ability to to release that in him and through him. And then he asks for protection. These are things he's asking for. You follow me? Blessing, influence, God with me, and protection. That's what he's crying out for. And so he cries out for protection from what? Evil, sin, trouble. Enemy. Hmm? Pain. Pain. Sorrow? I mean, what was his name? Sorrow? <laughs> yeah. That's his name, right? But what, what's he crying out for? He's crying out... He's not going to change the start. That's the sorrow, right? What's he crying out for? A better finish, right? A better finish. That's what he's crying out for. To not be a man of sorrow. And that's what he's asking. That's what he wants. So we look at first John five fourteen. First John five fourteen. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Alright, so what does that what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? You've heard every reason why you can explain the verse away. What would it mean to you if you just read that for the first time? Without explaining it away, just tell me what it means. Right? He wants us to approach Him. What else? We can ask Him anything. Right? It doesn't matter. You can ask Him for anything. And there's times where I just ask God for anything. Alright? Anything. Even silly things. 
Even things that don't matter. Even things that I'm the only one that even thinks about. But I'm going to ask Him for that. It ain't exactly world peace, alright? I'm asking Him for silly stuff. That's what I'm asking Him for. And what does it say? He hears us, that's right. He hears us, He knows, He hears you. What's the only qualifier in that? You have to ask. No, well, you have to ask. That is correct. But what's the only qualifier after you ask? What is it? His will, right? Well, is that a given or not? I mean, think about that for a second. That's got to be a given. You can ask anything you want, and He hears you, and He'll do whatever His will is. I'm okay with that. And I think that's just a given condition. I don't think there's anything, you know, that's really groundbreaking about God does what He wants to do. Right? I, I hope not, anyway. I hope you kind of got that figured out a long time ago. That God just does what He wants to do. He's not your circus dog. You can't tell Him to sit or jump through a hoop or anything else. He is Lord God Almighty, maker of the universe. All right? And He does what He wants to do. But you know what's awesome? Is that you can approach Him. You can ask Him for anything. And He hears you. Yeah. So you know you're being heard. You know you're being heard. And there's something super powerful about that. And you just keep asking. Jabez just kept asking. He cried out. He cried out. All right? The one, the living, the true God, the one that can hear and answer prayer, he knew that. Way back then. Way back before First John was ever written. He knew that. All right? And he just asked. And he cried out with an affection toward God. And and I read the things he cried out for. He cried out for blessing and influence and God to be with him and to protect him. That's what he was crying out for. He wanted a better finish than a start. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds pretty good to me. Because like I said, my start wasn't so good. I'll take a good finish though. I like that. I like the hope that that brings. I like the reassurance that that brings. I like the peace that that brings to me. And I hope you can take a hold of that tonight. I really do. I really do. Because he literally, Jabez said, he literally says, I'll have no more sorrow. That's what he asked. I'll have no more sorrow. So I want you to just take a moment right now and just allow God to just bring to your heart, bring to mind some things that I don't know if they've trapped you or they've bound you or they've held on to you, but God wants you free free from the past and really putting your effort toward the future toward today and the future and I just want to pray that for you and I'd encourage you while I'm praying that that you begin to pray begin to cry out to the Lord for what you look, you're looking for 
for what you want, for what you need. And and Jabez gives us a good a good few things to cry out for here. A blessing, God's blessing? Yeah. How about that he would enlarge your heart and make you a person of influence? How about his protection over your life from evil and sin and trouble and the enemy? How about a better finish? Starting right now. Right now. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would begin to set us free. I pray that uh, as we would step out of the traps and the cages that uh, have, have tried to hold us, I pray your deliverance over our, our lives. That God, the past would no longer hold us, the past would no longer trap us, the past would no longer bind us to a moment. But God, I pray your freedom and I pray your liberty over our lives. And I thank you that even if we have been marked or named with sorrow or whatever that thing is, that we have hope for a better finish than our start. So God, I pray freedom. I pray liberty from the past. I pray a freedom and a liberty in our heart, our spirit, our mind, that we'd be set free in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for chains to fall off. I pray for bondages to fall off in the name of Jesus. Anchors that would try to anchor us to a, a past that is no longer even close would be released in Jesus' name. And I pray a freedom over each of us to begin to move forward, to begin to move out toward a better finish. So we cry out to you, God. We just cry out to you. We bear our hearts. We engage you emotionally, spiritually, physically, and we cry out. And we pray your blessing under our lives. We pray, God, for influence. Do it, God. Lord, you would enlarge our hearts. Pray your protection over our lives. Protection from sin. Protection from our enemy. Thanks. Let me ask God that the finish would be better than the start. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So God, we give you just thanks, praise. Yes, Lord, that uh, we continue to move forward and move out with you. Draw closer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's be by saying amen. Amen. All right, bless you guys. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you again. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. 
economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. You know, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know. He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah. 